just getting comfortable talking about sex openly. So the mistake that a lot of people make is they think, okay, okay, I've got to talk about sex. I'm going to go to Xander and say, how come you're never initiating sex anymore? And also, I haven't had an orgasm in months. And why do you come so quickly? Like we go right into the problems and the frustrations. And of course, that's going to turn into a terrible conversation. And then we think like, I'm not talking about that ever again. That was terrible. Yeah, this is a dangerous topic. (laughs) We do not want you to do that. (laughs) Welcome back to the Energized with Dr. Marisa podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marisa, and I'm here to help you rock your hormones, optimize your metabolic health, and feel energized in your body so that you can age powerfully and wake up feeling amazing in your body for many years to come. Let's jump on in. Happy Valentine's Day. Today is one of my favorite days out of the entire year because I love celebrating all of the epic women in my life. I'm actually going out with some of my best friends tonight for some tea and mocktails to celebrate our friendship on Valentine's Day. I also thought today was the perfect day to release this episode since it is the day before Valentine's because I have a feeling that you would love some more emotional connection and intimacy in your life, even just a little bit more. Now, obviously, we all know that communication is important in our relationships, but most of us grew up thinking that intimacy is supposed to be easy or effortless or that it just works, like we see on TV or in the movies. And almost none of us were told what the deal was by our parents or adults growing up. Sex has always been taboo and pretty much off the table. And then many women, especially in midlife, experience low libido or painful intercourse, making it that much harder to connect and creating intimacy in our relationships. Because I know that so many women are looking to create more intimacy and emotional connection with their partner and experience more pleasure in the relationship, I invited sex expert, therapist, and New York Times bestselling author Vanessa Marin and her husband Xander to join me today to talk about how to create an emotional connection and the conversations that we can start having that open the door to a deep sense of intimacy in our relationship, even if it's already going pretty well. So before I bring them on, I want to quickly sing their praises. New York Times bestselling authors, Vanessa and Xander Marin. She's a sex therapist with 20 years of experience. He's a regular dude. And together they wrote Sex Talks, the five conversations that will transform your love life. They're shockingly open, slightly nerdy, and seriously funny couple you'll be calling your new besties in no time. They share the ups and downs in their relationship when giving you step-by-step techniques to improve yours. Follow them on Instagram at Vanessa and Xander and tune into their podcast, Pillow Talks, for totally doable sex tips, practical relationship advice, hilarious and honest stories about what goes behind the scenes, and so much more. Let's welcome them to the show. Welcome to the show, Vanessa and Xander. I've been looking forward to this conversation for months now. So happy to have you here. Thanks for having us. We're really excited to be here too. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to dive right in. We're going to be talking about your book, Sex Talks, and we're going to be talking about ultimately why couples are not having the sex life that they want and how we can shift that and transform that. And I guess that's really my first conversation outside or my first question outside of, Vanessa, honey, how did you guys both get into this is what I would love to know because you guys are a dynamic duo and I love it. (laughs) So Xander was an accident. I'll let him tell his subject. (laughs) But I always knew that I wanted to be a sex therapist. It really traced back to my parents' attempt at giving me the talk. So like most people, it was incredibly awkward. It really wasn't a talk it at all. Didn't happen. Yeah. Basically, my parents just asked me, they said, you know, if you have any questions about sex, you can ask us. And I knew in that moment that what they were really saying is, please, for the love of God, don't ask us anything. We don't want to have to talk about it. <laughs> I did not know that sex therapy existed at the time. I was only about 11 or 12, but that moment stuck with me. And I really remember thinking like, why is this so hard to talk about? I am very curious. I do have questions. I love my mom and dad and I want to be able to ask them all these questions that I have. So I kept coming back to that moment and and realized eventually as I got older, like I want to spend my life helping people get more comfortable and confident talking about sex. So I set up a business. I went to graduate school. I got licensed as a marriage and family therapist to have that foundational background. I started 
seeing people one-on-one in person. And I also started building up online guides and courses because I very quickly realized seeing people in person, that's a tough ask to go into an office, talk to a stranger about the most intimate details of your life. So I thought- Don't bump into your neighbor in the way. Yeah. (laughs) So I started building up these online guides and courses thinking like, this is actually a much better format for people where they can get all this information, get all these tools and techniques that I have, but in the comfort and privacy of their own home. So that was the point where Xander came into play. Yeah, I I was definitely the accident. Um, I met (laughs) Vanessa before she started going to grad school. And, you know, I was just fresh out of college. I had just started my career in the consulting industry. You know, I thought I was going to have a kind of consulting or corporate job for the rest of my life and be a professional guy. And that's what I was going to do. And, you know, time went by. I started working at Google, working in tech. And at the same time, I was like seeing what Vanessa was starting to build and the impact that she was having on people. And compared to what I was doing, I was like, I just am not really sure what kind of impact I'm making on the world. And so I started helping Vanessa out on the side, doing a little bit here and there to kind of on the back end of the business, helping the operations work, um, helping with some marketing stuff. And slowly but surely, I kind of worked myself into the COO role (laughs) at her company. And I, you know, I quit my job in the meantime. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I'm going to kind of run the back end of this business while Vanessa is the creative, is the face of the business. And, you know, she's the one that has the training and is doing all this stuff. But she started asking me if I might want to do some Instagram stuff or if I might want to be involved in some of the courses. And I was like, why? Like, I saw you go to grad school. I saw you get licensed. I saw you build this business. I haven't done any of that. Like, what right do I have to show up and give people advice? And she was like, no, it's it's the fact that you are just a regular guy. You're a man, you're a husband, you are in a relationship, you know, you <laughs> we have a sex life. Like that's, we want to talk about that. Like what it's like for a real person, you know, as well as someone that has all the experience in the field talking about this. And so I just slowly but surely said a little bit here and there, and it was nerve wracking at first. And and then I started realizing though, that people wanted to hear that, wanted to hear just like the real life realities that real couples go through. And uh, yeah, here we are. Now we have a whole team of people that, you know, do all the stuff that, that I used to do on the back end. And Vanessa, I, Vanessa and I get to run this together, which is awesome. And I think that's really resonated with our audience, like being able to have the expertise and all the tools, but also be able to see our vulnerability as a real couple and hear us tell stories about challenges that we've had. Because we've had all of them. Yeah, like ebbs and flows in our relationship. We've been together 16 years. We know the struggles of keeping that spark alive in a long-term relationship. So I think it's been really fun to be able to do this work together and to normalize these struggles for so many people. Mm, I love that. And I personally really resonate with the two of you as well, knowing Vanessa that you are the expert and that Xander is, you know, again, it's your perspective to Xander, but the collaborative perspective where you guys as a couple, I think is what a lot of us really want to experience. Because, you know, if it's just you, Vanessa, it's just your perspective as the expert versus you two as a couple. Uh, My husband is also the COO of my company, but he is, he and I aren't doing Instagram um, reels on perimenopause and menopause. For now. Yeah. <laughs> Never seen it. knows. <laughs> but he gets a lot of questions about menopause and perimenopause and hormones as if like I'm in a conversation and we're at a, you know, at an event, they'll be like, well, maybe you probably know. Like, let me ask you since I can't seem to get her. So that does happen sometimes. Okay. So I wanted to dive into that first question I mentioned. I'm just so grateful you guys just shared kind of the origin story and how it all came together that you both are working together. But I, and I know that you, you know, you get people reaching out to you all of the time. I'm sure people are all up in your DMs, you know, so what are some of the common reasons that couples don't have the sex life that they want, or don't even have the kind of intimacy or communication that they're looking for regarding their sex life? One of the main reasons why people don't have the sex life that they want is because we've all been fed these lies by TV and the movies that a great sex life should be effortless. I mean, if you really think about all the sex scenes that you see, you know, across your entire life, sex always looks effortless. It doesn't take 
you know, anything more than just a little eye contact and all of a sudden it's on and you never see characters talking about sex or resolving any sorts of issues. It just seems very flawless and natural. And so we go into our adult relationships with that same sort of expectation. We think that it should all just happen. And so when we inevitably run into issues like, hmm, my sex drive is not feeling as high as it used to, or my partner wants sex at moments that I really don't, or my partner's been doing this little move that they think is their secret move, but I've actually been hating it for years and years and years. You know, then we we really struggle to know what to do with it. So it it just creates this feeling of paralysis. It shouldn't be this way. And I definitely don't know anything to do to get out of this. So it's just really not really understanding or owning the fact that it's going to take some work, like a lot, like, like consistent work, kind of like a marriage. Yeah, and I know people, we hear that word that word, and we're like, oh, God, and another thing that takes work in life. <laughs> like, So what we're really all about is we want to give people the proper education about how sex and sex drive and orgasm and pleasure, all those things, like how they really work, because most of us have no freaking clue. And we want to give people practical tools that they can do on a daily basis that don't feel like work, but can be very impactful anyways. Like, we don't want working on your relationship to feel feel like work. Yeah. It, it takes a little while to shift that perspective of like, oh yeah, these things that, that I'm supposed to do feel like work, but I promise you, like if you actually start making certain habits to really start getting closer to start doing things a little differently or looking at things differently, it starts to feel really fun, really fast. And it, it is one of those things where, yeah, I know for me, it, it I used to totally feel that way that oh God, I don't want to have to work at this. I just worked all day at my job and now I have to work at this thing. Like, why can't I just relax? But slowly but surely, it really does turn into, it It, it can be super fun and exciting. And uh, it just takes a little bit of a perspective change. Mm. Um, and I love that you shared because I was curious. I was like, even, you know, you guys have been together for 16 years, you know, from early on. And obviously all kinds of shifts and changes have happened, including going into the business together. And that means you all are together 24 seven. I know, I know you work from home. Like I know the deal, <laughs> especially for you, Xander, when you guys started kind of maybe realizing the conversation gets to shift or we get to bring in these tools. Um, was there kind of a hump? Was it like the first week you're just like, okay, just got to like get, get myself revved up for this. Like it's 7 PM. It's when we scheduled for this. Like, um, was there any of that, you know, do you find people have kind of that first week hiccup of just like, okay, I got to gear myself up to do this. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it, for me personally, it took me a while, especially once we started working together, it took me a while to really come to terms with like, you know, what it looks like for us to be, you know, coworkers and for us to be partners and in love with each other and all of that. And, you know, I had to work through, you know, kind of just shifting my own perspective of like, you know, I've been in, I've been in the corporate world for a long time. You have this idea of, oh, this is how you communicate in a, in a workplace or, you know, oh, well, like, because I'm working for a company like Google, what they do, they're a huge successful company. So they must do it right. And we must therefore do it the same way. And the reality is like, no, like we are a, we are a small business. We are a partnership. Like we get to decide how we do things. It doesn't have to be a certain way. You don't have to follow these same norms that you might've had when you're working in a more professional environment. And so, you know, we started developing some tools around like how we could communicate with each other better, how we could differentiate between like work and non-work time. And, you know, just put a little bit more focus into like being intentional about like, okay, we're, we're shutting off work and like, okay, now we're going to like, let's sit on the couch and watch a show with no phones or like, let's have a conversation about this or about that. Um, so yeah, it, it took me a little while and, and I think it will take anybody a, a little while to kind of start following our advice and, um, and it becoming more of a, a comfortable habit. Well, I think that what, what that boils down to is really like how much of our life we've been taught this message that we shouldn't have to put any sort of effort into our relationship. So you're not gonna be able to switch your perspective in a single day, like, oh, okay, that sounds great. Yeah. But I think having some compassion for ourselves and recognizing, of course, this feels hard. I've never seen any examples of what it looks like to really work on intimacy. 
Oh, I agree. Well, I, it was definitely was not a conversation that I got. I came from a Catholic family and the big message was that do not have sex. If there was any message, like, do not get pregnant. Don't get sneezed on. Okay. Like that was the answer I was given. And then I find, you know, as we get older, we're definitely not taught that. And life happens. We get boggled down with the mundane with the grocery list. I mean, the conversations that my husband and I have had this morning alone is just like, you know, potty training my toddler right now. Do you poop last night? Like that's the conversation that's going down. And so they're not sexy by any means at times in realizing that default mode, the just the everyday life comes up and the kind of the things that matter, kind of the, the connection that matters can just get lost. And that's one of the biggest traps that couples fall into. I can't remember the statistic off the top of my head right now, but it's something like 45 or 50% of conversations in a couple in a long-term relationship are just purely logistics. Like exactly what you were saying, you know, the soccer practice and the appointments and stuff like that. You realize at a certain point, like, wow, this person who I love more than anyone else in this world all that we talk about is freaking diapers and the calendar. Like what happened to us? And that's, yeah, that's that feeling of like, where, what happened to the spark? What happened to us? So those are, again, like some of the little things that we can do to like bring that spark back is let's talk about things mm-hmm. other than diapers and the calendar. So more that first step is really awareness too of like things that definitely derailed. And yeah, we're just talking about logistics. I feel like we're each other's EA. I know you guys probably have an EA too, and we have one. And then now we're each other's. I always like, I'm just, I'm like the assistant, you know, (laughs) the CEO assistant in my household. I also wanted to just connect about, and I want to go back to that. But the other thing that I, I, you know, the women in my community come to me with is that they're just really struggling. They don't have the the level of sex drive that they used to have. And there's a major disparity between them and their partners. And they're trying to figure out that disparity and how to manage that. So whenever we talk about sex drive, we need to talk about the three biggest factors that decrease sex drive. First one is a simple one, sexual pain. It's not it's not simple, but it's a straightforward one. 30% of women experience pain the last time they had sex with a partner. That is a wild statistic. And if you are experiencing unwanted pain during sex, there is no way that you are going to crave it whatsoever. So if you're experiencing any sort of pain, that's the first thing that you need to take a look at and work with a pelvic floor physical therapist or a pelvic pain specialist to make sure you get at the root cause and address the pain. And that's, I mean, and that's even for people who, you know, where it's like, oh, well, I've experienced this like for, you know, the whole time I've been sexually active. It's not that bad. I've like found ways to, oh, people to, really to work, to work around it. And I think, yeah, as we get older or as we get further into relationships, it can feel like, oh, well, this this shouldn't really be a big deal because I've been managing it mm-hmm. for all these years. But I think that maybe that can work for some people for some amount of time. No, eventually, no, no, no. It ca- but eventually it catches up to you is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, we don't. We see so many women who normalize pain and say that's just how it is. And that's how it's always been. You should never be in pain during sex. I don't care if it's one time. I don't care if it's not that much pain. You should never be in pain. So that's one of the first issues that we need to look at. Next is the amount of pleasure that you're experiencing during sex. We've actually found that it's not that people have sex drive problem, they have an enjoyment problem. So Xander and I love food. We always make a lot of food comparisons. So comparison that I love to make here is, do you ever find yourself craving an overly steamed, mushy bowl of broccoli? No. Probably not. I love broccoli, but I don't like it overly steamed and like mushy and anything like that. It's got to be cooked dry. It's got to have some flavor, maybe some (laughs) sauce. So do I think of myself as being a weird or a bad person for not wanting that? Do I judge myself for not waking up every morning thinking, oh my God, I can't wait to have more mushy broccoli? Of course not. It makes perfect sense that I don't want it. The exact same thing is true with sex. If you are not enjoying the sex that you're having, it makes zero sense for you to crave it. And the unfortunate reality is that when we ask, especially women, when we ask women who say, oh, I have no sex drive or low sex drive, my partner always wants it so much more than I do. We say, tell us about the sex that you're having. And we hear, well, it's boring. It's routine. We're doing the same things over and over again. He jumps right to the intercourse. There's no foreplay for me. I never orgasm. It's all on his timeline. So why would we crave that? 
it doesn't make any sense to crave an unenjoyable experience. So it may not actually be a sex drive issue. It may be an enjoyment issue. And then the final of the top three sex drive killers is emotional connection. So many of us compartmentalize sex. We think of it as like, oh, it's just thing. It's just this thing that happens in the bedroom with the door closed and the lights off at the very end of the night. But how we interact with our partner all throughout the day is going to affect our desire to be intimate with them. If Xander and I have been only talking about schedules and taxes and all these annoying meetings we have to schedule all day long, if we've been fighting all day, if I'm upset with him about something and I haven't told him and I'm feeling resentful of him, or if we just like haven't had any quality time together, when we get into bed, I'm not going to want to have sex with him. So we need to look at the emotional connection and see like, are you even feeling close enough to your partner to feel open to being intimate with them? Ooh, that's a trifecta. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I can imagine that there are some people who are dealing with all three. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, one of the main things that comes up whenever people talk about sex drive is they're like, oh, well, can you just, what are the supplements that are good for it? Or what's the pill that's good for it? There is none. Like scientifically, there hasn't been any compelling research about any sort of supplement or pill. Please don't waste your money. But like a pill can't affect your emotional connection with your partner. A pill can't make you want, like have more pleasure with your partner. A pill, you know, it's like all this stuff. It it can't address that. So we need to take a look at these deeper causes if we truly want to have a higher sex drive. Yeah. And I think like with all of these things, like I was sort of mentioning on the pain thing, like These are things I think that can creep up over time. Like I think early on in a relationship, it's so often that like we want things to run smoothly. We want, you know, we want to feel like, oh, like I'm really clicking with my partner. And so it's easy to kind of turn a blind eye to some of these things when it comes to sex or to even maybe get off on like the enjoyment that you see your partner having or maybe the validation that you're feeling from having sex. And maybe that's where a lot of your enjoyment is coming from at first, but over years and years, like these things do catch up with you of like, okay, yeah, like I'm not feeling that emotional intimacy. Mm -hmm. Like, so I'm not like craving being with my partner or like, yeah, I'm not, there's not much in this for me. Like I can see that my partner is enjoying this, but like, what about me? And like, eventually these things kind of come, come up to the surface and become really hard to ignore. I was wondering another one, and I think connecting to the emotional connection piece, but, you know, a a big thing I hear too is stress. You know, when someone's feeling just stressed and worried and anxious all day in their to-do list. And so once, once it's that time, they just, it's like, they've got nothing to give. Absolutely. Yeah. If we're going to do four main causes of sex drive, stress is going to be the next one that gets added. Yeah. Or you can group it in kind of with the emotional connection. Cause it's like, if your stress is so high, that that's taking up all your space, like that's going to be keeping you from that emotional connection. Yeah, and the way that I like to describe stress, because stress is one of those things like, we all know we need to have less stress, right? And I feel like people usually tune out when they hear this kind of advice because they're like, I know, I know, stress, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but that's just life, life is stressful, right? Yeah, I'm sure like 100% (laughs) of people, last time they went to their doctor, it's like, the doctor's like, okay, sleep and stress, right? And you're like, okay, yeah, they say that every time, right? Yeah, 95% report. But yeah, but I mean, especially, you know, we're talking women, you know, women listening to the show who are just like, you know, take shit off my plate, excuse my language. Like then, then we can talk about intimacy. Like I'm overwhelmed. Yeah, like Xander said, stress can loop in with emotional intimacy. Like a lot of women do feel like they're doing it all. They're taking everything on their own shoulders. And they, a lot of women tell us, I don't feel like I have a teammate. I feel like I have yet another creature living in my house who needs things from me. I don't feel like I have an actual teammate in life. So that's going to be a big contributor. So finding ways that you can be more of teammates can really, you know, decrease that stress and make you feel more open to connecting with your partner. And I think just kind of getting clear on those three or those four about what it is. And so once we've got some clarity, I think I think people are hearing that and just going like, ding, 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 ding. Like, yes, that's me. I'm painful sex. I'm not enjoying it. I'm tired of the mushy broccoli and I'm stressed in the nines. I'm going to bed with a to-do list that never ends. And so how do we kind of cross over to creating more intimacy? I'm guessing it's conversation. We, we need to start talking again about specifically this. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So that, this is where our book Sex Talks comes in. You know, most people, we understand like, okay, I should be talking about sex. You know, when you're up late at night and you're Googling your secret sex problems on your phone in incognito mode, like you see it at the end of articles, like talk to your partner about just this. Talk about yeah, it. just talk about it. It's so, easy. So what we wanted to do is, is take this vague advice that's not very helpful and actually give people concrete ways to have these conversations. So the book is the five conversations that will transform your love life. So we have five specific conversations in a specific order. And we are really there with you every step of the way, walking you through like, here's what to say. Here's when you're going to say it, how you're going to say it, the questions you're going to ask your partner. Um, but yeah, we really firmly believe that communication is one of the best ways to increase emotional intimacy, to increase your confidence, to have sex. It's more frequent and pleasurable and intimate, and also to really help us overcome all the crap that we've been taught to believe about sex, all the shame and embarrassment and guilt. Like communication truly is the key to greater sex. Can we dive a little bit? I want people to go get the book. Go get the book on Audible. Get it however you want to get it, but just go get the book. If this is an area, I mean, you can only cover so much. And again, the how-to, the step-by-step of when to have these conversations, how to have these conversations, that's what's in the book. Um, but I was curious, you know, where do you find that mo- what the first kind of conversation the first conversation really needs to be? I'll tell you all five of the conversations. We're not gatekeeping, (laughs) but okay. So the five conversations are acknowledgement is number one. So acknowledgement conversation is literally just getting comfortable talking about sex openly. So the mistake that a lot of people make is they think, okay, okay, I've got to talk about sex. I'm going to go to Xander and say, how come you're never initiating sex anymore? And also I haven't had an orgasm in months. And why do you come so quickly? Like we go right into the problems and the frustrations. And of course that's going to turn into a terrible conversation. And then we think like, I'm not talking about that ever again. That was terrible. Yeah, this is a dangerous topic. We do not want you to do that. (laughs) So instead what we want people to do is to get comfortable talking about sex openly in a neutral way or even in a positive way. So a very practical thing that people can do like after listening to this episode is think about one of your favorite sexual memories with your partner and share that with them today. So it can be as simple as like, hey, you know what popped into mind? Just this like random memory happened where that anniversary that we had, that time that we just stayed in bed all day and that hotel in Mexico and all those things that we did. Ah, you know, just thinking about it today was just a fun memory. So that's all you're doing. You're not trying to solve any problems. You're not trying to lodge any complaints, which by the way, those were just examples. <laughs> it's <laughs> not, actually, not actually what's going on in our sex life, <laughs> but you're just getting comfortable with it. So that's conversation number one. Number two is emotional intimacy. It's connection. What do we need to feel close to each other? So this one we touched on a little bit. This gets into really specific ways to feel connected to your partner so that you're not feeling like strangers at the end of the night crawling into bed with each other. And this conversation can absolutely include a lot of the stuff that you were asking about, about like stress or being overworked. Like this part of this conversation can be like, hey, it is, you know, I'm realizing it is feeling very challenging to have time or space to connect with you emotionally when my to-do list is a mile long or like I'm still doing all this household stuff and I see you on the couch like not doing anything for example <laughs> I'm maybe not saying it exactly <laughs> like that but this is the opportunity to be able to talk about you know what stuff is very connecting for you, like what stuff moves the needle the most, but also what stuff is in the way of the connection. Yeah. And we talk about some of the big hot button issues that can come up a lot for moms. Like we talk a lot about feeling touched out. Um, We talk about mental load, which comes up for, you know, women, regardless of if they have kids or not. So those are some like really powerful conversations to have. Um, Conversation number three is desire. What do we need to get turned on and feel excited about being intimate? So this is a prime example of what I was mentioning earlier, you know, in this chapter, we talk about how desire really works because most of us don't understand how it actually works. We think that it should just be spontaneous and effortless and perfect every single time. Then that leads us into conversation number four, pleasure. And so here's where we talk about that connection between enjoyment and desire. And so we want to make sure that we're having sex that feels more pleasurable for both partners so that you can both crave it and want to have it. 
And then we wrap up with conversation five, exploration. What do we want to try next? So research has shown that trying new things, spicing it up in the bedroom, it actually is very intimate and connecting. Trying new things in and outside of the bedroom mm -hmm. really leads to deepened intimacy. But a lot of people struggle with how to do that. And they get a little bit too in their heads of like, oh, well, does this mean we need to have a threesome and we have to do all this kinky stuff? And like, oh God, this feels really overwhelming and intimidating. So we talk about like, practical little changes that you can make that will give you that same boost and that same excitement, but without feeling like you're blowing yourself out of your comfort zone. <laughs> mm, I, I, one of my favorite things, I don't know if this is a favorite thing of a lot of other people who watch you guys, but you two trying new things and seeing how it goes. <laughs> yeah, we so we have our own podcast called Pillow Talks, and two of our most popular episodes are a series called Smash or Pass, where we try out the internet's weirdest sex tips. So we went like weird stuff that you find on TikTok or on Cosmo and stuff like that. We tried all of those things out, and to you know, some pretty hysterical results. But I, most I think, of them, most of them were questionable. There, yes. But there were a couple gems in there. There were a couple gems, gems that we still come back to. So there's some good stuff. But that was a great reminder for us of like when we prepped for that episode. I would say on paper that was some of the worst sex that we've ever had because we were trying these terrible tips. But it, was, so it was actually one of my favorite experiences that we've ever had together. Like we were laughing, we were connecting. It felt so intimate. So even, you know, even for us, it was like, oh yeah, yeah. this does work. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. I just love that. And I think it just, it just brought, it brought at least to me like levity of kind of the realness of it. And so I just wanted to just share my appreciation around that because I just thought it was just, it's so real. And it's just like, oh, okay. Cause it can feel like you said, people feeling like they're going out of their comfort zone or they're having to do things that they don't necessarily feel necessarily feel like amazing about. And it just can get kind of, you know, get kind of gray area funky. I want to go back to number four, which is desire and what, what that looks like. Cause like you said, you know, a lot of us just don't know where we lost it and we, it's like it got lost in a big pile of sand somewhere. Like, where do you find it again? <laughs> uh huh. Okay, so one of the most important things that we break down in that chapter is the two sex drive types. So most of us don't know that this exists. It's some of the most fascinating research that has come out of the sex therapy field in the last few years. And uh, Emily Nagoski, in particular, has done some amazing work really breaking this down. So... The two different types boil down to where we feel desire first. So you can feel desire in your head, like the idea of sex sounds good. Maybe it randomly pops into your head. You're like, yeah, I'm interested. And we also get aroused and turned on in our bodies. Like our bodies get physiologically ready for sex. So getting an erection, getting wet, our heart rate increasing, nipples getting hard, those kinds of things. So the two types are spontaneous and responsive. Spontaneous desire is when you feel that mental interest first and then your body follows. And this is what we've always seen on TV and in the movies. It's that like, you know, ooh, somebody gets like a little look on their face, they make the eye contact and it's on kind of feeling from there. Responsive desire is the exact opposite. And responsive desire is what the majority of women have. So responsive desire is that your body needs to be turned on first and then your head starts to think, oh, this is a good idea. So the classic sign that you might have responsive desire is if you've ever been in the middle of sex or even at the end of sex and you catch yourself thinking, huh, this is fun. Why do I never seem to want this? Classic sign that it's responsive mm -hmm. desire because what's happened is your body's turned on, it's feeling good. And then your head is like, ah, yeah, sex is good. So if you approach a responsive person and you say, hey, you turned on right now, 99 times out of 100, 99.9 .9 times out of 100, it's going to be no, because my body's not getting any sort of stimulation. So my head's not there yet. But most women, because they don't know about these two types of desire, feel like something is horribly wrong with them. I'm broken. Something's wrong with me. I need to be fixed. I'm the issue. I'm the problem. When the reality is, it's just that they're appealing to the wrong part of their body first. They're thinking they should feel that desire in their head rather than understanding that they need to feel it in their body first. And then and similarly, you know, if partners or especially if male partners who, you know, men tend to be predominantly 
more spontaneous desire also don't understand the difference between those two. And if most men are have spontaneous desire and we see spontaneous desire solely portrayed in media, right? Like, of course, then we're all asking the wrong question when we're thinking about initiating sex. And so, of course, the person with spontaneous desire is going to think, oh, well, hey, I'm I'm ready to go. Why don't I ask my partner if they would be ready to go too? But now that you understand how responsive desire works, that is just the wrong question. You're putting, you're going to put that person on the spot. They're, well, one, they're not going to be turned on right now. So the idea is not going to sound good. They're going to feel on the spot. They're probably going to feel ashamed because they think, well, I'm supposed to be spontaneously into it too. And yet I'm not. My partner's asking me, what does it say about me that I'm not ready to go? So, you know, now that we understand that, think about reframing that question rather than like, do you want to have sex right now? You want to be thinking about like, oh, how can we initiate some kind of activity that is going to bring us closer together that is probably going to involve some touch and open up the possibility that we might be, you know, mentally ready, you know, in the next 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. Ooh, I have never been spontaneously, you know, ready to go. And I remember for years I would, I really thought I was broken. I was just like, it just doesn't work for me. I don't get, that was very much my, my talk track. And I can imagine, you know, a lot of women are thinking to themselves like, oh, that's what I've just felt or thought for decades that something's just wrong with me. Um, I haven't, I've been reading the book, but I haven't gotten that far. And this is just kind of a mind blow moment for me, just kind of like, oh my gosh. And so, so let's say women are having this kind of epiphany right this second. They're, they're just like, wait, what? I'm not broken this whole time? I thought I was? And and yeah, like you said, kind of that that moment, you know, towards the end of sex of thinking, oh, huh, you know, that kind of defining moment. How do we, how do we create desire? Like, how do we shift? Because that's a whole paradigm shift in the way that couples are doing any of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So first thing I want you to do, if you're resonating with this, is I want you to take a little bit of time to really sink into that feeling of knowing that you're not broken. It is so so easy for us as women in so many areas of our lives to go immediately to that place of it's me, I'm the problem, I'm broken, something's wrong with me. And I've been there myself too. I actually struggled for a very long time to be able to orgasm with a partner. And I went to all those exact same places in my brain too. So I just want you to sit with knowing like, there's nothing wrong with you. You are not broken. It's just a very powerful experience to have. Then let's talk about it more practically. So what you need to like get into your head is this understanding that you're not going to be mentally interested in sex and that we need to appeal to your body first. So like Xander was mentioning earlier, like we want to think about finding ways to connect with your partner physically that aren't sex. So can you think of some sort of physical, you know, non-sexual physical contact that you typically enjoy with your partner? So maybe that's cuddling. Maybe that's getting a massage. Maybe it's even like getting naked and just like holding each other and having that skin to skin contact. So you're not thinking about it as like initiating sex. You're thinking about it as just having some sort of physical contact. And then in that moment, your task is to really sink into your body and allow yourself to enjoy the sensations of being touched or held. This is tricky because you don't want to put this pressure on yourself of like, okay, okay, they're doing the cuddling and now I got to get turned on right away. Yeah, am I turned on yet? <laughs> am I turned on? What about now? What about now? So you're, we really got to focus on just enjoying that contact just for the sake of that contact in and of itself. But what you will notice as you practice this is that your body does start to get like aroused and get excited and like, oh, this is feeling good and I want more of this. So that's what we really want you to focus on is like having that physical contact with your partner. And over time, what you will realize is that you start to develop this trust in your body that you know, you start to know like, yeah, maybe right now I'm not interested in sex. It doesn't sound super hot to me right now, but I know that my body, like once I start making out with my partner, once they start giving me a real massage and not one of those massages where it's like, 
you know, 10 seconds and then their hands are starting to slide south. <laughs> but I'm going to real massage for my partner. Like I know that my body starts to come alive and enjoy the experience and I, I want to go further. So that trust will start to emerge and this whole process will feel so much easier. That's that's super powerful. And so just kind of that really just, I'm so protocol driven, but is there a recommended time where maybe if someone hasn't even really known what that feels like, do you just, do you recommend focusing on touch and intimacy and connection just for a while until they really kind of know what that feels like? Yeah. So for most people, it can be around the 10 to 15 minute mark. It's just giving your body like a little bit of time to sink in and really enjoy the experience. It will probably be longer when you're first trying this because you're just naturally going to be a little like, is it happening? Is it happening? Is it happening? But in general, that time frame tends to work. And what I also want you to think about is remove the question, do you want to have sex from your vocabulary? Because that want, it's not going to, it's just not going to happen for you in your brain the way that you think it should. So instead, what I want you to think about is, do I feel open to intimacy? Open, that one word shift from want to open can really change things completely. That is powerful. Okay. So that is a very powerful first step. Cause I have a feeling that a lot of people, a lot of women are stuck there. They're just like, I just, I can't seem to get there, like to get to want it and just being open to it. And then we have, <laughs> I think kind of that next piece, which I know is, can be so nerve wracking, especially if women up until this point, up until this very moment thought that I need to want it and are just not wanting it the initiation, because I'm pretty sure that for millions of couples in the U.S. and worldwide, that is falling flat and it's not moving forward. If anything, maybe women are just annoyed or partners are annoyed or you know, frustrated at the whole just like get off of me kind of moment. So I'm curious what, what that next step looks like in terms of and I think it's very different than what we've been seeing or what we've been trying for years that hasn't been working. So we developed an initiation styles model, which gets to the heart of how do we like sex to be initiated? So if you've ever heard of the love languages model, it's similar to that. It's this idea that like we all like to receive that attention or that initiation in different sorts of ways. And if we don't identify our type and talk openly with our partner about what our types are, we're probably going to be missing each other and just not initiating in the ways that we want to. Yeah, because the reality is we probably are going to initiate in the way that we would mm -hmm. want someone to initiate with a you see the world through your own eyes you've never considered another point of view or another possibility you're just going to assume oh yeah this is this is the way it is for everyone especially because you see it portrayed everywhere in this one way so yeah it's like your partner is probably going to be asking you the question that they might want to be asked mm -hmm. themselves rather than being like, oh yeah, what is, what is gonna what's my partner going to respond best to? And what makes initiation even more complicated is that it's really vulnerable. Even if you've been with your partner for years, like it's hard to do. And so most of us, we shy away from it and we initiate in all these ways that are not very sexy or don't actually feel like an invitation to be intimate. So we go through in the book, like the 11 worst initiation types. One of the classic ones is the good old boob honk. You know, you're like washing dishes or bending over to unload the dishwasher and your partner comes up behind you, does the old like honk honk bicycle style, like right on your boobs. We have pulled our audience before. I think like half a percent of women actually like this, but most women are a like, very vocal no. half a percent. <laughs> like, don't do this. I don't like it. So we need to learn what initiation styles we each respond to, what we actually want in that moment. And we have to learn to be braver and more vulnerable with our initiation. So we're not doing it in these like jokey ways or in these like, you know, way too subtle ways. Like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to like give my partner like the look, but they're like, is something in your eye? Like what's going on? Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and then I'm, I'm, I'm guessing for so many couples too, is that there's been a lot of rejection and then, and then there's that as well that you're kind of, kind of competing against is that sense of rejection and, and thinking that you're going to get rejected again. And yeah. here's one of the, the frustrating realities of having a sex life with a long-term partner. You're going to get rejected. You're never going to find a partner who will say yes to sex every single time you want it, the exact same kind of sex that you want. Like being turned down for sex is going to be a part of anyone's sex life. But we've never learned how to deal with that. And for most of us, like being turned down for sex, like 
Okay, first of all, being rejected for anything just sucks, mm-hmm. period. But being rejected for sex, there's a whole added layer of vulnerability. It brings up shame. It brings up embarrassment. For us women who are socialized, believing like we're not supposed to be too sexual, and a lot of us feel like, oh, I'm not supposed to initiate at all. If we put ourselves out there and then we get turned down. Like one time. And we have like a male partner who's supposed to want sex anytime, anytime, and he says no to us, like, it brings up so much vulnerability and, and shame and pain. So we walk through in the book as well, like how do we look at this in a really different way so that it doesn't feel like rejection, so that it actually, like we give each other the space and the permission to not be open to sex in certain times because that's human, you know, we're going to do that, but to also not make it feel like this horrible blow that we're dealing to our partner. Yeah, and part of that is just, having conversations with your partner to understand, to level set, like, hey, this is something we're both going to have to deal with. Just acknowledging, Mm -hmm. you know, hey, initiating sex and rejecting or, you know, turning down our partner, considering our partner's initiation, that's part of the deal. We're both going to have to do that. So now that we know that, what are some, you know, what are ways that we, what are things that we could say to each other that are going to let the other down as gently as possible? Because each of us are going to have different ideas of, oh, you know, I think if you if you said it this way, or if you said it that way, like I might respond best to that rather than it just, because like right now what happens is if you've never talked about it, it's probably just this, like your partner asks, you feel on the spot, you're like, oh God, like, no, I don't want that. And you probably respond in a kind of like surprised or almost like slightly aggressive, like, no, kind of like, you know, or even like, you're, like, tr- you're trying to have sex with me right now. Kind yeah. Of like, like an incredulous laughing. You think that's going to work <laughs> to initiate with me? Yeah. So like you end up, you end up, you know, pushing away emotionally, you end up further apart than where you started. And, you know, in what we also talk about in that chapter is like, how to actually turn somebody down in a way that brings you closer together, because that is absolutely possible. And that is really the way long-term that you are going to start feeling, both people feeling more comfortable initiating because they know, even if the answer is no, we can still come away from that feeling connected. The other question I was curious about, and I and I don't know if this goes back to the three you know, reasons why people, women, people struggle or women struggle, like it's being painful or they're, they're not having a good time doing it um, or a lack of emotional connection. But in terms of even, you know, kind of sex drive, what's the conversation around someone just having more of a sex drive than the other person? I'm, I'm guessing that there's not an equal playing field in every relationship. Like someone's just like, I just don't want it. And th- I've been in, even men I've known, you know, best friends, partners who are just like, I just don't want it as much as you do. What's a middle ground around that? Obviously it's vulnerability. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm assuming this comes up a bit as well. Yeah. So people get very nervous about mismatched sex drives and they think it's this horrible sign of incompatibility. But we like to normalize that every couple has mismatched sex drives. Like I was saying earlier, it'd be too weird to to find a partner who magically wanted sex every single time you wanted it. Like every couple is going to deal with mismatches to some degree. So being able to understand like, what do you need to get turned on? Making sure that we're going through those dynamics that might be getting in the way of your sex drive. Um, you know, we want to address those things first, but yeah, there are going to be couples who still have naturally a mismatch. But what we've found is that when you have this deeper understanding of each other and what you need, and you really feel like a team, those natural mismatches don't actually feel like that big of a deal. It just turns into like, Hey, I, yeah, I wanted sex, but you don't, well, I'm going to go take care of myself. Or will you keep me company while I take care of myself? You know, they're like really creative things that we can do, but it just doesn't feel like the issue that most of us think it does. Okay. Well, and I think that's what I was looking for is that does it matter as much as we think it does? And then I question for you guys and, and totally don't answer it if you don't want to, but I, you know, being together for 16 years and obviously this being the work that, well, now you both are doing, <laughs> um, are there ebbs and flows for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We definitely have had, you know, major ebbs and flows in our relationship. And we talk very openly in the book about, you know, we've struggled with all of it, you know, with orgasm and performance issues and mismatched sex drives and difficulty with initiation, all the the things. Um, So we've been through it all. The phase that we're at now, though, because we talk about sex so openly (laughs) every single day as part of our job, and we've learned to like do it more in our relationship, is that 
there are natural ebbs and flows, like life gets busy or somebody gets sick or, you know, something's going on, but we're able to get back to each other so much more quickly. Whereas in the past, maybe we would have had a difficult season and we're kind of drifting and drifting and drifting. And then it takes so much more effort to come back together. These days, it's like, we'll get thrown off for a couple of days, but it, the severity of it doesn't get anywhere near as bad. And we really think that this is possible for couples too, that we don't have to drift so far apart from each other. You can do that little dance of like, yeah, things are a little off, but we're getting right back onto it. Yeah, that feels really good. Cause I think a lot of people feel like they've drifted so far that, you know, how do you even get back to where you were? And so I really appreciate you sharing that of just even even if you get too far, there's a way to come back. But also that there can be a place where that you don't ever have to get that far apart. Like once you find your rhythm and once you guys are back to connecting and creating, you know, a a relationship with amazing intimacy that, you know, it can kind of be it can flow better together. You can get back to yourselves quicker. And to to make it practical too, like I think one of the things that really works for us that I think can work for so many couples is that even if we're going through a a season of disconnection or let's say somebody's going through like, I have a newborn, (laughs) like we just cannot, we're not going to be having sex with the regularity that we did, or I have a parent that's sick or, you know, whatever it is, like there are going to be challenging seasons of life. But what we are really careful to do with each other is we talk openly about the disconnection. We acknowledge it and we say to each other, like, this is not what we want. So just being able to, a couple of sentences to your partner of, hey, I know we're in a wild season right now. I know we have the newborn. I know we have sick parents. I know we have, you know, you're gunning for that work promotion. Like, and I know that like things are not where we want them to be with our intimacy. This is just what we have to live through right now. But I want you to know this is not what I want. And I'm excited for us to get back to a season of life where we can reprioritize each other. So just being able to like acknowledge it. I think sometimes we get so scared about the disconnection that we don't even want to acknowledge it. It's like, let me bury my head in the sand. Like, oh my God, we haven't had sex in months. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to acknowledge it. But that only makes the pain of it so much worse because now you're dealing with the disconnection, but now you're also dealing with like, does my partner even care? Do they notice that we haven't had sex in a month? Do they care about it? Let me wait and see when the next time they like, like, Mm -hmm. you know, let them prove to me how much they want to all wait them and then there your partner's like we're doing the same thing waiting for you and you're just like miles and miles miles apart. apart yeah so just being able to talk about it openly and say here's what's on our plate this is not what i want for us i miss you i miss us i'm really looking forward to getting back to prioritizing us that can go such a long way that's so helpful my last question is going to be around around orgasming and if there is difficulty around that as well outside of that kind of vulnerable communication about that realness what you know if there's an issue or there's there isn't what particularly women I, I i don't know what the exact stat is but i know that there are a lot of women who are not having orgasms what's that conversation and are there resources that you recommend in the book to help women kind of overcome that as well Yes, we walk through the orgasm gap in chapter four about pleasure. There's a huge gap in male-female relationships between how many orgasms we're having. And really what it boils down to is the clitoris. The clitoris is the most sensitive part of our bodies. It is equivalent to the penis, but we don't treat the clitoris the same way. Like you always see these articles that are like, oh, you know, you need to have the vaginal orgasms or orgasm from, you know, intercourse alone. And we don't do that to the penis. With the penis, we think of it as very obvious. Yeah, if a guy wants to have an orgasm, he needs some penis stimulation. But we don't do the same thing with the clitoris. So I think that chapter can be really powerful because we walk you through here's how bodies work. Here's the kind of stimulation that we need. And we make this great comparison that from a nerve ending standpoint, intercourse for a woman is like playing with a man's balls. It might be fun. It might feel good. But for the vast majority of men, it's not going to be anywhere near enough stimulation for him to reach orgasm. The same is true with us women about intercourse. We don't have a ton of nerve endings in our vaginas. It's not the most sensitive part of our bodies. So we're, you know, so many of us are having intercourse and feeling, again, we get back to the broken theme, like, why don't I love this? Why don't I desire this? Something's wrong with me. 
but it's like a man having his balls played with. It's just not the right part of your body that's being stimulated. Men even have an orgasm with just just ball stimulation. There, there might be a know, lucky few out there. Maybe some. <laughs> I know I certainly can't. But maybe I could just try, you know, maybe I just need to try harder <laughs> since that, you know, the, the ball orgasm. It might be really good. So I think being able to walk through that chapter with your partner and recognize like, ah, okay. And there's some very practical, simple ways to just invite the clitoris along to the party when you're being intimate and it'll make a huge difference. Thank you so much. I just wanted to, I'm not that it's the, it's the clitoris in the room, the elephant in the room. I wanted to bring that up because I know that that, you know, you know, not only are women having painful intercourse and thinking, again, it's been totally been normalized. And if anything, that's just what society has told us, that it's just going to hurt from the, from the first time you do it. Um, so then there's that nor- normalcy of, of it just, it's supposed to hurt. But then on top of that, that you're not only, like it, there's no orgasm coming uh, from, a, you know, something that's very painful. And so I think it just all wraps up into this being broken, like obviously I'm broken. And so I just wanted to, I just wanted to, mention that as well. Okay. So I know it's about to be, you know, Valentine's day. It's about, you know, love is in the air. And if there's a time, a couple of times, you know, during the year where people are trying again, I would think that this is one of those times. And so, um, I know you guys have some things going on that would be so helpful to my, to my audience. So every year for Valentine's Day, we have what we call our sweet or spicy event. And this is when we have we have two challenges that are incredibly popular. And they talk about the two different sides of intimacy that we've discussed in this episode, physical intimacy and emotional intimacy. And so our challenges really guide you through how to get more intimacy with your partner. We know most people have the question of like, yeah, like I want to be more intimate with my partner. I want to feel closer to them, but how do I do it? Like, what do I do? So we do everything for you. We like really lay out this curated journey of recreating that intimacy with you and your partner. So we have, um, you know, Valentine's Day feels like such a great time to do it because most of us are thinking more about our relationships. And most of us have also had experiences with our partner giving us some pretty cheesy gifts, you know, like the life-size teddy bears and, you know, the box of chocolates that you can tell us from the doll- like the grocery store. And you're like, okay, thanks. So <laughs> we love doing this as Valentine's Day. Uh, a much more creative gift, a gift that keeps on giving that you can celebrate for like a month long rather than just one single day and repeat as often as you want. And we're doing an incredible deal on this that we've never done before because my 40th birthday is on the 13th. So I'm almost a Valentine's baby, sucker for love. (laughs) So we're doing, if you sign up for both challenges, 40% off of them. And if you sign up for one challenge, it's $40 off. So it's just such a unique and amazing Valentine's Day gift that will give you the intimacy that you've always wanted. Oh, I love that. And I think that it really, I mean, you guys so know your audience of, you know, probably the question that I I, I was going to ask is like, well, then how do we even get started? And obviously I want people to go get the book and this challenge is really that next step, which I just love so much. So I'm going to have the link to the book. I'm going to have the link to the podcast, Pillow Talks. And you guys want to just mention really quickly the show. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, if you want to sign up for the sweet or spicy challenge, because we're going to have that special pricing, we're not going to have again, it closes on Valentine's day. So definitely go over to vmtherapy.com slash sweet or spicy, just one word. You can also just go to vmtherapy.com and we'll have like banners and stuff up to click around to it. Um, But definitely check it out. At least check it out if it sounds intriguing to you, because we're doing this kind of once in a lifetime deal on them. Um, But otherwise we have tons of other guides that you can check out at vmtherapy.com com as well. We have our ultimate foreplay guides, which are amazing for helping you learn how to have more orgasms. We have a next level intercourse, which walks through how to make intercourse itself more exciting. And we even have the art of initiation and initiation course. So you can check all that out there. And then finally, yeah, we have our own podcast, Pillow Talks, um, which is super fun. Vanessa and I record from bed every week. And um, yeah, we talk about basically any topic you can imagine about relationships and sex. So if you want to hear more from us, yeah, we'd love to have you uh, follow the podcast. 
Ooh, I love it. All right. Well, I'll have all of it inside the show notes as well. Super easy to go and grab. Please go and follow them on Instagram as well. It is, I mean, it is like, it's, I love, I love how you guys curate your social and it just feels so real. Um, And I just want to say thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Mm -hmm. All right. See you guys soon. I had so many great takeaways from this beautiful conversation and I have been loving their book, So I highly recommend getting a hard copy or listening to it on Audible like I am doing right now. And since it is Valentine's Day season and you may be thinking you want to spice things up, I also recommend to go and check out all of the free guides that Vanessa and Xander have along with their epic challenges that are going on right now. The links to the challenge, the website, and the book are all going to be in the show notes for you to instantly check out. And I'm also sending you so much love on this Valentine's Day. Again, as I mentioned, it's one of my personal favorite holidays. I love celebrating all the amazing women in my life, those who support me, that I get to support. I mean, honestly, what would we do without our best friends? And one of the ways that I love to celebrate the women in my life today and multiple times throughout the year is that I love to send like two to three minute voice memos, letting them know how much they mean to me. So if you have a chance today, I highly recommend just sending a voice memo or three to some of your best friends and just letting them know how much you love them. And if you are looking to love up on your body and your health right now, I am currently running a Valentine's Day sale in my Essentially Whole supplement store. It's going to be focusing on all of my women's hormone supplements, including Hormone Balance and Progest Restore, two of my biggest best-selling products. I will have the link in the show notes too, or you can just go to drmarisa.com slash shop. Until the next episode, have an amazing day. 